All right, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to grab them and turn to Matthew chapter 25. Over the course of the last six weeks, we have looked at various aspects related to the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. Those terms are used interchangeably in the scriptures. This is a subject uh, that Jesus talked about more than any other topic he covered during his earthly ministry. His very first message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His last message before he would ascend and go back to the Father was about his disciples taking his message and spreading his rule, his dominion all over the world. We are to live, every single one of us, not only as individuals, but as a church, just as we put in our focus statement here, we are to live to advance the kingdom of God. And the number one way that we advance the kingdom of God on a personal level is to use and properly steward the talents, gifts, abilities, and skills that God has given us. When we do this, we will discover what I'm calling the title of the message today, Kingdom Purpose. Part of the dream of this kingdom project, this message series that we've been in, is to help every single person, every member of Champion Forest discover their kingdom purpose, to find out what their sweet spot is in the kingdom of God. Now, when I say sweet spot, what I mean is, uh, you know, I played high school baseball, and uh, I have this bat uh, that I keep in my office, just in case anybody comes and gives me a hard time. Not really, all right? Uh, I keep this bat in my office because my high school baseball coach, a guy by the name of Ronnie Coker, uh, sent me this bat years ago. His son, Nate Coker, if you're familiar with our residency program, is actually a resident here. And uh, Coach Coker was my high school baseball coach, Nate's daddy, and he was a great coach. Matter of fact, he was a Louisiana uh, State Hall of Fame baseball coach. I credit my playing years for that. Uh, but he sent me this bat uh, when, uh, I guess, I don't know, 10 years or so ago, and you can barely read the writing on it, but it just says, Jarrett hit a homer. And the whole idea was when I get up to preach, uh, you know, swing for the fences. And I can promise you, every Sunday I get up here, I am swinging for the fences, all right? Now, I may leg out a single every now and then, but I'm swinging as hard as I can for you. And in baseball, uh, if you hit a baseball on the sweet spot of the bat, Baseball players will tell you, you don't even have to swing the bat very hard. But if you can make contact at the right time, right on the sweet spot of the barrel of the bat, that ball is going to go the distance. Well, as it relates to finding our place in the kingdom of God, what this message is all about today is finding your sweet spot in the kingdom. What is it that God has created you to do, wired you to do, gifted you to do, that when you do it, you feel the smile of God on your life? To borrow the term that Eric Liddell, the 1924 Olympic runner, said in the movie Chariots of Fire, his sister was a little discouraged that he was running in the Olympics thinking that it was taking away uh, from his call to be a missionary. And he responded like this. He said, God has made me fast, and I feel his pleasure when I run. What is it that when you're doing, you feel God's pleasure? It is your sweet spot. God has gifted every single one of us in this room today with talents. He's given us abilities. He's given us an education, a profession. 
He's wired us in a certain way as citizens of the kingdom of God. We'll talk about this in a moment. He has given us a unique divine spiritual gift. And when we put these together and we mix them up like a casserole, so to speak, that's where we find our sweet spot. And this is where we will most effectively and most uh, impactfully have in helping advance the kingdom. I wanna begin with a text which speaks to why all of this matters in the first place. We'll set the context and jump in. Matthew chapter 24 and 25 is known as the Olivet Discourse. This teaching that Jesus gave takes place during the last week of his life. And what we're gonna read today probably happened on the Tuesday uh, before he would go to the cross on Friday. And during that week, Jesus would teach in the temple And then in the evening times, he and his disciples, the Bible tells us, would make their way back to Bethany where they were staying. And in order to get back to Bethany, they would have to cross over the Mount of Olives. Now, if you've been to Israel, I've got an image for you just to to show you. The Mount of Olives gives a panoramic view of the city of Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us in Matthew 24 that as they were going across the Mount of Olives, the disciples looked back and seeing the magnificent temple, which is where the Dome of the Rock is today, where all those trees are, uh, Jesus used this as an opportunity to teach about his second coming. And so that's what Matthew chapter 24 and 25 is about. Matthew chapter 24 is about all of the signs that will point to the return of Christ where he will establish his rule and reign. So we've talked about the kingdom of God as being present tense. It's already taking place. When we become kingdom citizens, we live under the rule and reign of God. But there is a future element to the kingdom of God that when Jesus returns, he will establish his earthly rule. In Matthew chapter 25, he gives two parables that talk about what we should be doing as it relates to waiting upon his return. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 1, the Bible says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like... If you look at verse 14, this begins the second parable. He repeats this, for it, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God will be like. And so in an effort to describe the coming kingdom, Jesus gives these two parables. Now from the parable of the sower that we looked at a few weeks ago, remember a parable comes from the word that means to set alongside. So Jesus, in order to help teach a truth, he was a master teacher, he would illustrate it. He would set alongside a spiritual truth, a story so that people would listen in and that they could maybe comprehend it a little bit better. Well, Matthew chapter 25, the first part, has to do with waiting for Jesus to return. And that parable comes to a climax in verse 13. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So Jesus is going to return and we've gotta be ready. I've said it before, we need to be Motel 6 Christians, right? We're leaving the light on, all right? Because Jesus could come at any moment. Then we get into the second parable, and this parable is not so much about waiting for Jesus, there's an element to that, but this parable that we're looking at in detail today is all about working for Jesus. And the big lesson is that God has entrusted to us certain gifts, talents, abilities, and we will be held accountable for how we use these gifts and talents and abilities. We will either be rewarded or we will be punished depending upon what we do with what God has entrusted to us. So I wanna read it all the way through, Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. It's the longest parable we have in all of the scripture. It's lengthy, but I think it's worth reading 
together as a whole, and then we'll come back and talk about it. The Bible says this, starting in verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering uh, where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and I gather where I scattered no seed. You ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents for to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Steward faithfully what God has entrusted to you. And you will get blessing and reward. Be an unfaithful steward. And you receive reprimand with severe repercussions. I want you to think about that, let that sit in. If you are a faithful steward with what God has entrusted to you, you get blessing and reward. If you are an unfaithful steward with what God has entrusted to you, you get a reprimand and will experience severe repercussions. Jesus teaches that a master, a man, has gone on a journey. In this case, the man is Jesus. He's about to journey to his death. He will ascend and he is going away. And the Bible says that this man on going away, evidently he's well off because he has servants and property. And I will say Jesus is well off. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He has no need. He entrusts some property to his servants. Now his servants represent me and you. And the Bible says to one he gave five talents, to one two, and to another one one, according to verse 15, each according to his ability. Now a talent in the day of the Bible held a monetary value and that monetary value changed over time. 
Uh, the ESV Bible, uh, study Bible notes that it would have been the equivalent of perhaps 20 years worth of wages. And so Jesus is making a point here. 20 years worth of wages, uh, if you just do the math and carry it out, would be the equivalent of $600,000 today. So one talent is still a lot. And Jesus says, to one he gave five, to one he gave two, and to one he gave one. The master is entrusting a lot to his servants. Now, if we build an interpretive bridge to our context today, uh, talents is not monetary. Uh, we, of course, will be held accountable. The Bible's replete with stories of being held accountable with the resources that God entrusts to us, our wealth. We will be held into account for what we do with it. But what talent is speaking of here today in this passage is about uh, our abilities, about our gifts, uh, about uh, our education. Uh, the commentator Warren Wiersbe put it like this, the talents represent opportunities to use our abilities. So before we go any further, let's just push pause and let's talk about our talents. Let's talk about our abilities. Let's talk about our gifting. When I talk about operating in your sweet spot, I see discovering your sweet spot. Uh, we discover it primarily by looking at four different um, uh, things in our life. I'll put it on the screen for you. You see it like this. We'll talk about these one by one. First, you will discover your sweet spot by looking at your education and skills. Now this speaks for itself, but it just makes sense, doesn't it, that our sweet spot in life uh, would have something to do with something that we know something about, uh, something that we've been educated in, that fits our skill set. Um, I'm reminded in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 35, uh, God wanted a tabernacle built. And he had specific instructions for that tabernacle and he gives those instructions to Moses to speak over Israel. And just listen to what he says in Exodus 35 verse 10. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. And then look at verse 30. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, see the Lord is called by the name Bazazel, I don't know how to say that, all right? Make it up and be you know, called B by his name, all right? The son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship. Look at that. He has filled him with the spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, with all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, and cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood for work, and every skilled craft. And as he inspired him to teach both him and Ohiliab, the son of Abismiak, and the tribe of Dan. And he has filled them with skill. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen for by a weaver and by any sort of workman or skilled designer. Every person in here, according to Psalm 139 verse 14, you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. And God in making you has put certain skills and abilities 
within you. He has wired you with a certain skill set. Now, part of the stewardship of this aspect of our life is that we develop our education and we develop our skill set to the best of our ability. So when we have opportunity to grow, being a good steward of our education, of our skills, we are to stretch and we are to learn and we are to take advantage of every opportunity God gives us. This is, you know, we're getting ready to graduate. I've got a senior graduating. And if you're a senior in the room and you have the opportunity to go to college and further your education, you have the means and the resources and the abilities. That's a gift from God. And you are responsible for stewarding that gift. You ought to go. Or if you're going to a trade school, you should go to that trade school and you should learn to the best of your ability and get under a mentor that can teach you and guide you. You need to maximize your education and skills. This is part of being a good steward of what God has entrusted to you. A second area that we look at is our passions and interests. If we're gonna find our kingdom purpose, if we're gonna discover our sweet spot, think about it. Doesn't it make sense that it would be in the context of something that we actually enjoy doing? And so what do you love to do? What is it that when you do it, it it lights you up, it it comes naturally to you, almost easy to you because you just love to do it? Are you using whatever that is? as an avenue to advance the kingdom of God. God wants you to. Yesterday, we had a bunch of men out here who love tinkering with cars. They love it. And they're using their gifts and their passions and their interests to advance the kingdom by changing oil and fixing air filters and whatever else it needs. And uh, the, 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 the members of our faith community, those single parents, those widows, they're using their hands. We have others that love sports. I mean, you just, that's your love language. And so you're involved in our little league sports and you're coaching teams and you ought to be a great coach. You ought to be the best coach that you can be, teaching the fundamentals. And if you're keeping score, you ought to play to win, all right? I believe in that. But you also ought to be using it to teach these kids about Jesus, to be a positive influence in their lives so that they come to you when something's going wrong and they open up and you can point them to Jesus. We got a group of ladies that sew every single week. They love sewing. And so they meet every week and they're sewing dresses to send to a ministry in Haiti that we partner with, with underprivileged kids that have no clothes. And they're sewing these dresses. Think about what your passions and your interests are. The things that you love to do, the things that you would do in your free time all the time, if you could. Whatever that is, God wants you to use it to help advance his kingdom. A third area, discovering our sweet spot, finding our kingdom purpose. Again, this is the dream that every single one of us, this is where the abundance of life is found. When you find what it is, when you're doing it, you sense the pleasure of God, the smile of God on your life. Another area is spiritual gifts. And we can spend an entire series talking about the spiritual gifts. I want to read a couple of verses and just make a couple of notes. 1 Peter 4.10 If you're taking notes, write it down. Look at what the Bible says. As each, as each has received a gift, as each has received a gift. If you're a kingdom citizen, you've received a gift. What are you to do with it? Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. 
1 Corinthians 12, verses four through seven. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit and a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the spirit. Why? For the common good. Verse 11, all of these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now we'll give you a complete rundown of the spiritual gifts here in just a moment, but I just wanna emphasize through these passages that each, each have received a gift, some multiple gifts. I want you to notice there is a variety of gifts, all given by the Holy Spirit, and the purpose of the spiritual gifts, as we noted in scripture, is to build up, it is to help others Peter would include that when you use your spiritual gift, you are bringing glory to God. There be to be used for the common good. And so when you're operating in your spiritual gift, in that moment, whatever you're doing, that act is being empowered by God to help others and to bring glory to him. And in that, you're advancing the kingdom. And again, we want everybody to know what your spiritual gift is. And so here's... What I want you to do, if you're not clear on your spiritual gift, I want you to take your phones out and I want you to text KINGDOM to 77069. Our team's been working hard on this since we started this series and we have put a spiritual gifts inventory. You'll be sent a link and it takes about 15 minutes to take this inventory, this assessment. Now it's not a perfect assessment, there are no perfect assessments out there, but you'll answer some questions and when you're done taking this assessment, it's gonna give you your top two or three, according to how you answer these questions, your top two or three spiritual gifts, what they probably are. And after that, you're gonna see a list of ministry opportunities. And our team has compiled a list of opportunities, ministries inside and outside the church that you can pair up with your spiritual gift. And so you can, you can take this test, discover your two or three spiritual gifts, what they are, and you can look at these ministries and see which one gels with your spirit, which one says, man, I might be interested in that. Today, we have a ministry fair. We have 27 ministries down our great hall that you can go by after this service and you can talk to them about their ministry and how God might could use you as a volunteer in their ministry. Do you have the spiritual gifts for that ministry? What is it like? Do you have the passions and interests? They're all down this hall and they're all online. All you gotta do is text KINGDOM to 77069 to get started. We want you to know your spiritual gift. We want you to find a specific ministry where when you're doing it, man, you are operating in your sweet spot. You sense the smile of God on your life. The fourth area that comes together to make the sweet spot to find our kingdom purpose is personal experiences. You know, God has allowed you to go through certain things in life so that you can help others. You've learned through the difficulties and ups and downs of life, certain lessons and your experiences can help people that are traveling on a similar journey. There's a reason the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse three and four, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, look at this, who comforts us in our affliction 
so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted by God. There are some of you that have abuse in your background. And you know what? God can use you to comfort others. There are some of you that have divorce in your background. God can use you to comfort others going through the same thing. There are some of you who have addictions in your background. And God can use you to help others going through the exact same thing. There are some of you that have the untimely death of a loved one in your life. And God can use you to help others going through the exact same thing. I think about our merge and re-engage ministry. So many of our coach couples are in that ministry because they know what it is to experience the, the valleys and the mountaintops of marriage and they wanna help other couples. We have a divorce care ministry, a grief share ministry. And listen, it's not just the bad experiences that God wants to use to help others. There's good experience as well. Some of you, you were close to your grandparents and God has given you a soft heart for senior adults and the aging and there are retirement homes and nursing homes all across Houston that you could go and volunteer your time in. Or maybe you were in school and there was a mentor that was there and they, they coached you and they spent time with you and made you feel worthy because you weren't getting it at home or from friends and that made an impact on you. Do you realize we have school partnerships right now where you could go into schools and be there for a student that needs you, was you 20, 30 years ago and they're going through the exact same thing? I don't know what it is for you, but I do know that God allows us to go through different experiences. We're brought up in different ways. We're impacted by different kinds of people, all to help form and fashion and fit us for a unique kingdom purpose. So you put it all together. You put your education and skills, your passions and interests, your spiritual gifts, your personal experiences, you put all of that together and somewhere in the middle of that, you will find your divine kingdom purpose. It is your sweet spot. And this is what we're after. And if that inventory doesn't help and you can't find your ministry, I'm telling you, contact us at the church, pastor at championforce.org. I got a team that runs that email and we will set meetings up with you and we will help you find your kingdom purpose. We're committed to it because can you imagine the kingdom impact that would take place if every single member of Champion Force knew what their sweet spot was? Now look, I could go through this congregation and tell you person after person who has found their sweet spot. I mean, just to give you some examples, Lorraine Hibbert is here this morning. Her education, trained as a nurse, skilled as a nurse. Her spiritual gift, although I may not know it exactly, it probably has to do with serving and mercy, maybe a little bit of exhortation mixed in there. You know what she spends her time doing? Volunteering at CareNet as a nurse, helping young moms in a, maybe an unwanted pregnancy start seeing that God has a plan for their life. She serves at Gracewood, which is a ministry that helps young moms get on their feet, have a place to live. Why does she serve there? Because she's been there before and God's given her a heart for it. She's living out exactly what I'm talking about in this kingdom purpose. You tell her what, she, what you feel like when the smile of God is going, man, it's, 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 it's wind in her sails when she goes to CareNet or to Gracewood. Coach Max Bowman. Coach Max Bowman won four national championships in football, one AFA championship. Dude can coach football. Coach for, in the NFL for a number of years. Assistant coach to Wade Phillips up in Buffalo. 
loved the game of football, trained as a teacher. You know what he's doing now? Now that he's retired from coaching, he's now working with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which gives him an open door into the schools. He's using his love and passion for football, probably the spiritual gift of leadership and exhortation, and he's in our schools working with coaches and students, pointing them to Jesus. He's found his kingdom purpose, and he's advancing the kingdom. He, 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 he can't wait to get up in the morning and get after what he's doing. I think about someone like Keith Barber. Keith Barber's our CFO. We just hired a, about six months ago, our business administrator. He was a CFO for Tide Cleaners, and uh, he has a, a background in business and finance. That's where his degree's from. Probably got the spiritual gift of administration and service and leadership. And we brought him here to help work alongside our finance committee here at the church and give direction to the financial oversight of this church. And you ask, he, he wakes up every single day and can't believe that he gets paid to do what he does. He loves Excel charts and all the numbers. I mean, it gets him up in the morning. I don't get it, but he loves it. He's operating in his sweet spot, Linda Atkins. Linda and Jerry lost their son years ago. And that devastating loss just about crushed them. And Linda has the gift of mercy and service. And this week, I saw her walking down the hall. As I was walking down the hall on Wednesday night, she was outside the Grief Share Ministry where she serves every year, every semester. And she's helping others who are walking through grief using her spiritual gift and her personal experiences and her passions and her giftings to help along the way. I go on and on. People using their education and skill set, their spiritual gifting, their passions and interests, their personal experiences to advance the kingdom of God. Are you operating in your sweet spot? I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. Matt Perman, author, missiologist, theologian said this, God has given you certain gifts and abilities. You have a responsibility to steward those well. Not to use your gifts is bad stewardship. Our passions and strengths are among the gifts God has given us. To the best of our ability, find the job and career that allows you to optimize your talents, interests, and passions for the good of others. That's a good word. It's an important word. Let me tell you why it's so important. Because let's get back to the parable in Matthew chapter 25. Remember what we said at the outset? If you're a faithful steward... With what God has entrusted to you, you get blessing and reward. If you're not a faithful steward, if you're unfaithful with what God has entrusted to you, you get reprimand and repercussions. Look at it, verse 15. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. It is the prerogative of the master to give you talents. It is not up to you what talents you get and how many you have. It's up to you to use what God has given you. The scripture says, then he went away, but he's coming back, all right? In the meantime, verse 16, he who received the five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. He used his talents, he invested his talents, he did something with them. So also the one who had two talents made two talents more. He invested, he does something with it. Now look at verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants came and he settled accounts with them. And the one with ten ta five talents came and he said, I've made five talents more. Look at what the master says to him. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He says the exact same thing to the one who had two talents 
and invested those two talents. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, verse 23. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now notice in both of these instances, the servants who stewarded well what the master had entrusted to them, they got praise and promotion. They got blessing and reward. Now I've heard this verse preached, well done, thy good and faithful servant, at funerals throughout my ministry. You've been to funerals where this has been preached and the person that is lying there, they're talking about how they heard the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant, and you know their life and they have not done good and not been faithful. You don't get to hear these words just because you die. You hear these words because you stewarded faithfully what God has entrusted to you. Only then do you hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And so look at what happens, verse 24. The one with one talent comes forward. He says, Master, I... I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Here we have a man who doesn't know his master. He doesn't understand his master. Perhaps he's upset because the other servants got five talents and two talents, and he only got one. So maybe he just kind of thumbed his nose up as a master and say, I'll bury it in the ground. You can have it when you get back. Didn't do anything with it. And look what happens. He gets reprimanded. No reward. Severe repercussions. Verse 26, the master answered him and said, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. D.A. Carson in his commentary on this passage says, to fail, to do good, to use what God has entrusted to us to use is a grievous sin. Just as faithfulness will be rewarded, unfaithfulness, will be punished. And you can write one word outside verse 30 that talks about the weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that one word is judgment. We will be judged. We will be held accountable with everything that God has entrusted to us. And so what do you want? I mean, here's the choice this morning. Reward or reprimand? What do you want to hear? Enter into the joy of your master or enter into the judgment of your master? The choice is yours. What we do with what God has entrusted to us matters. So I want to close our message with just some practical application. I want to give you two do's and two don'ts. All right, we'll start with the don'ts so we end on a positive note, okay? Number one, don't, don't get discouraged. Hey, you're here today and you don't know your sweet spot, hadn't discovered your sweet spot, or maybe you're in a dead-end job that's not maximizing your potential, you don't feel like it's using you in the way that you're created to be, don't get discouraged. 
Okay, oftentimes, listen, we go through seasons in life. And we go through different seasons in life. And it could be that you're in a job right now and you're not using the education and gifting that God has given you, but you're providing for your family and that is the definition of faithfulness for you. You keep in that job till God moves you on, opens up another door. Don't get discouraged. You could be a young mom with kids at home. You're talking about sweet spot. I couldn't find my sweet spot. It's under laundry or in dirty bottles and you're just at home. Listen, there are seasons of life. And you might be in a season of life right now where you can't, you're not as freed up to, to, to be a part of a certain ministry that you want to be a part of. Well, you know what? You, you be that mom. And faithfulness to God right now is raising those children and being there for your children. There'll be time to get into that ministry later on. Faithfulness to God may just be taking a nap so you don't kill everybody when they get home, all right? Faithfulness to God. It could be that you're looking after your aging parents. And you want to be a part of a ministry, but your parents are aging, you're taking care. Look, well, that's faithfulness. That is your ministry right now. You take care of those parents. There's different seasons of life. So don't get discouraged if you're, if you're not where I'm describing today, okay? Just, just commit to, to growing it. And when the opportunity presents itself, you want, to, you want to be a part of it. But don't get discouraged. And just remember, any act, any act done in any context that is meant to bring God glory is advancing the kingdom. Secondly, don't compare yourself to others. Don't look at somebody that's got five talents and two talents, and maybe you only have one, or maybe you got two and somebody else got five. The quickest way to lose your joy and your reward is to compare yourself to others. Man, God has uniquely designed you. He has uniquely gifted you. You are responsible for only you. And so what are you doing with what God has given you, how he has equipped you? There's only one you. So as you discover your sweet spot, don't compare yourself to others. Thank God for what he's entrusted to you and you be a faithful steward. Those are the two don'ts. Don't get discouraged. Don't compare yourself to others. Here's the two do's, all right? Do discover your kingdom purpose. That begins with prayer. If you don't know what it is, you start praying. You get in community. When I was studying to be in ministry, I didn't know if God was calling me to ministry. It's not like he came and visited me in my bedroom. I would ask, how do I discern this call? How do I, how do I know what God's purpose for my life is? And I was given some great advice. I said, Jared, you, you, you walk through open doors that God presents. It'll be confirmed through his word, time alone with the word. You'll read it and it'll just, it'll just burn in your heart. And then number three, those that are closest to you will know you and affirm that in you. You know, if I went to my parents and say, I'm thinking about calling to ministry, and they're like, you better reconsider. You, have you looked at your life? You know, that, no, but they said, I could see that in you. I could see that in you. So we pray, we discern, we get in community. We let others speak truth into our life, and we discover our kingdom purpose. And listen, it may become by trial and error. You know, you go down there and go to one of these ministries. You may get in there and go, ah, that's not it. That's okay. Go to the next one. All right, I learned I didn't want to be a student pastor by trying it my first summer out of college. I ain't being a student pastor anymore, okay? Not God's will for my life. So it may come by trial and error. Alan Hurst said this, one of the most significant things to remember in getting missional, one of the, in, in using your gifts, is often the thing we most overlook. It's not all about starting grand programs and running big organizations. It's just doing what you do for God. The basic elements of missionality are already present in your life. 
Henry Blackaby, Experiencing God, passed away two weeks ago. That book was formative in my life. You remember that quote that was so impactful there? Watch to see where God is working and join him in his work. You just join him where he's working. And God will light a fire under you if that's where you're supposed to be. See where God is working. Number two, do. Determine to be faithful. This is all God requires of you. That's all he requires, faithfulness. And you make the decision today, God, what you've entrusted to me, I'm gonna be faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter four, verse one and two, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ, stewards of the mysteries of God, and then look at verse two. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Success in the Christian life is defined as faithfulness. Fred Smith, who was a businessman, entrepreneur, was on Billy Graham's board, Bill Bright's board, wrote an article in Christianity Today, How Should a Christian View Success? Listen to what he said. The measurement of success is simply the ratio of talents, uses to talents received. What you're doing with what you've got, plus who are you becoming? Are you a growing, maturing Christian? Whether you work in business or in Christian work or as a day laborer, professional or academic, if you are a maturing Christian using a large portion of your talents, you are successful. Be glad. One qualification for hearing, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And that one qualification is faithfulness. So determine to discover your kingdom purpose and be faithful with what God has entrusted to you. Amen? Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.